entertainment, and sometimes science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is The Hobbit, an unexpected journey. Rewind! I'm your host, Austin, and with me as always is the amazing Amanda. Hey! <coughs> Excuse me. <Ooh. laughs> uh, the wild yet elusive Jekka. Excuse you. <laughs> and Bert, Brady Bird. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, we're talking The Hobbit a little later, but we got all sorts of cool new things to include a new trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. According to Ryan Reynolds, a whole bunch of Deadpool 3 news is right around the corner. And uh, Patrick Stewart might just have confirmed Professor X <laughs> is in Doctor Strange 2. So make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. And if you've already hit that podcast subscribe button, you know what I'm going to say to you. We love you guys. Plus 10 Nerd XP. Nerd XP. And for everyone else, as soon as you hit that podcast subscribe button, you too can start earning some Nerd XP. Nerd XP. But in the meantime, <laughs> Brady, what's nerdy with you, man? Um, you know, like I, I talked uh, last week, I've been working a lot and still have been, but uh, we went camping this weekend here with the scouts. My my younger son didn't want to go because it was going to get below freezing each night and, um, and rain all day Saturday. So we camped out, knocked some ice off the tent Saturday morning, had a really good time camping out, got home. Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon and uh, um, realized I hadn't spent that much time with my younger son. So I kind of wrangled him up to give him some, some dad time. And he was bored. He was like, I can't play video games. Cause he'd used all of his video game time. He read all the books I bought him, even though I just picked him up another one on the Kindle. So I was like, okay, go grab that cookbook. And it was the uh, it's the Heroes Feast cookbook that I bought that has a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons inspired oh, okay, recipes. Yeah. So I, I said, go grab that. Let's look through it. You're picking what's for dinner tonight. So um, he he went through and we found this recipe for dwarven bangers and mash is what it's called. <laughs> okay. And then we went to the grocery store and we bought all the stuff for it and brought it home and uh, cooked it, like, it up together. Is it like shepherd's pie? No, it's uh, it's it's like you get these uh, you get like these little gold potatoes. You can use the red ones, right? And you bake them, and then you smash them. So okay. they're kind of smashed about an inch thick. And you kind of scoot them to the side, and you put some uh, sausage on the pan to heat with them, uh, like to the side of them. And it says you can use breakfast sausage. I used Polish sausages. Um, and then um, and then you put some leeks and cherry tomatoes uh, on the pan also after the, after the sausage yeah. roast for a while. So you've kind of got it all on one big cookie sheet cooking in there. And uh, and then you kind of just serve it up all together. It's best served – I mean the picture has it in like a skillet. But if you have like some of those wide shallow bowls, those would work. We, um, to uh, maintain some authenticity, authenticity used paper plates. Um, but the uh, – <laughs> Um, but yeah, you put it on there. So you have the potatoes and the sausage and then the leeks and, and tomatoes on the side. My son had never eaten leeks. Um, okay. I hadn't either. I'm, I'm almost half a century old and I, I don't know never eaten leeks. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So the only thing I know about leeks is from cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Goes, There's a leak in the boat. <laughs> There's a leak in the boat. Uh, <laughs> is it, is, is, it's, I'm assuming it's green. It's, yeah. It's a vegetable. Yeah. I think. Look, 
it's like a really big chive is what it looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we cut that up. It was really good. Everybody loved it. So we have something to add to our, to our rotation now. So that was our kind of nerdy thing, making a D and D meal uh, <laughs> the other night, Sunday night. That's pretty cool. Hey, since you brought it up, look at this cool shirt I got for my birthday. Yeah, Whoa. Oh, it's nice. a D and D shirt with the giant at symbol, but it's uh compiled, uh, Dragon. It's got a bunch of dragons on yeah, it. That's like, so cool. Yeah, a bunch of so dragons that match. It's not at, it's and. It's and, and. Yes, that's what I meant. That's cool. So, anyways, you brought any up. Old, any old school D&D nerds will know exactly the ampersand you're yes. referencing. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, but, it's, uh, but it's formed out of various dragons. It's kind of cool. So, yeah. Nice. Anyways, Jekka, what's nerdy with you? Um, well, a little side note before what I was really nerdy with me. Um, I was today years old when I found out the and symbol is called an ampersand. So that was <laughs> weird to <just> <laughs> Wait till you hear about the hashtag. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh... Oh, anyway. So this morning I um, went to the golf course in my little town here to go looking for frog and salamander eggs. Um, this is part of my thesis project. Okay. I'm I'm studying the egg laying habits of the these a frog and salamander species that's found in the Pacific Northwest, specifically yeah. Northern California, um, the red northern red legged frog and the northwestern salamander. So I'm I'm looking for ponds right now that have both of them laying their eggs in. Um, and so, so what, what do you have to find? What do you look for? So I'm looking for their egg masses, which are once you know what they look like, they're pretty easy to find. So okay. the red-legged frog, their egg masses, they look like kind of a cluster of grapes. And even like, so when they're freshly huh. laid, they're really small, probably like a half an inch or less in diameter. And then the longer they're in the water, the more they swell up. And so they can get like, not full on huge grape size, but like, you know, your typical seedless grapes in the cherry store, like <laughs> cherries not as big as cherries but like they can get really big so sure. they look like a cluster of grapes in the water whereas the northwestern salamander their egg masses kind of look like this like bulbous oval thing that looks like it's a jelly with a bunch of little growing baby salamander tadpoles are, are they just like attached to seaweed or something or or pond twigs i don't even yeah no that's how it is so like the well so far and that's what where my study is is i want to understand where they're laying their eggs in the ponds when both of them are in there and so far what i've noticed without collecting actual data yet like this is just the preliminary surveys i'm just going out locating these ponds where both of them are in so that at the end of this year i can start the studying but what i've noticed is the northern red-legged frogs all of their egg masses are typically like right next to the shoreline on like just vegetation. That's kind of like floating there, yeah. like kind of sticking out of the side of the water. So the red legged frogs, their egg masses typically are there. Whereas the salamanders, yeah, their egg masses are like kind of towards the, like a little further away from the shore and they're like on sticks and like the stick is sticking up right between it. So it's like this weird bulbous oval mass. Huh is like surrounding this stick and the stick is going right through the middle of them. Now, is that, is that when they're together in the same area or is that separate? So that's what I want to find out because a lot of the studies that have been done on these two species have been just looking at them individually. 
So that's where I'm coming in with my project. I want to find out what they're doing when they're both in the pond. Because the northern red-legged frog, a lot of the papers I found say that they'll lay their eggs either like kind of closer to the shore where I've been noticing or sometimes really deep in the water. Sometimes up to like um, like almost a meter deep kind of thing or uh, like a yard. So what kind of data points are you having to define like to to differentiate what they do when they're together versus individually? So that's where I have the papers. So all the research that has been done focusing on what they do individually, I have those as my basis. And so I'm adding to it saying like, hey, now here are the ponds where they're occurring together. And here's what I found. And part of that, too, I want to understand the pond as itself, like how big it is, how deep it is, how much plants it has growing in it and around it, that sort of thing. Other so animals. Are there, yeah, are there natural predators for those eggs? Oh, well, yeah. Do, do, they, do they normally uh, nest near one another or are they, are they like naturally fighting for territory or what are they doing? So that's kind of what I want to figure out. So one of my hypotheses is that they actually don't fight for territory. So going back to these papers that like past studies that look at them individually, a lot of them notice that the red-legged frogs like to lay their eggs closer to the shoreline, whereas the other paper that I'm mainly using that just focused on the Northwestern salamander, they notice that they tend to lay their eggs kind of deeper in the water, further away from the shore. So the red-legged frogs are right up against the shoreline, salamanders are kind of deeper and so i'm taking these two separate like these separate studies and seeing if when they are together in the same pond if that's still holding true so if they're still like pretty much i'm looking at if their natural egg laying behaviors allow them to not compete with each other all right the most important question i have yes is there any chance at all that you can somehow gain superpowers like peter parker gained superpowers being bitten by a spider if you're bitten by a red frog whatever it's called (laughs) you would be able to speak underwater that's what i'm talking about the ladies and gents would hear you and be attracted to you that's what i'm talking Uh, about all all those red frogs that attraction there you'd be like hey what's going on and then the well, other thing too, especially the red-legged frog, you would get super strength because a lot of the papers I was reading, uh, the male frog. So so when frogs breed, and this is totally different from my study, but it's it's such a cool fact. Yeah. So when frogs breed, the males will get on the females' backs and they'll like hold on to them and piggyback with them. So that way, as the female deposits the eggs, the male will deposit the sperm at the same time. So he's kind of like laying claim to her. And northern red-legged frogs, the males will grip so hard that they have been known to bruise apples. Like there was a male that was found in the wild holding on to an apple, and it was holding on so hard that it left indentations in an apple. Interesting. Wow. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever been more uh, more restrained in considering our audience before making any comment. <laughs> yeah, no. And then uh, with the Northwestern salamanders, I'd say it'd be the super cute factor because salamanders have this cute little derpy face. 
and like I just think they're cute. So we got a special little guest with us. Avi, you want to say hi real quick? <laughs> Come here. <laughs> you want to say say hi, Jekka? Hi, Brady. Hey, you met me before. I came to your house. <laughs> what did Jawa speak? What did she say? Nothing. I think she said. I, I think she said. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Amanda. Anything uh, nerdy with you? <laughs> all of our kids have decided to okay. join us. So, what's nerdy with me is I'm getting my oldest set up to join the first Lego League, which is a robotics competition, and. Mm. It's been really funny because I'm sitting down with her because I she's done robotics since she was in first grade. Um, there's been a robotics class that she's been doing, and we've I've had her do coding and things like that. And her every time I talk to her about what she wants to do, she's like, "I want to do fashion." And so when she was saying she wanted to join first Lego League, I'm like, "Are you sure?" Robots need underwear too. I mean, who's designing <laughs> robot? I mean, yeah, who's who's designing robot robot clothing? So, so this is something that I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll talk with her about it for a few days because this is a really time intensive program that she wants to join. And I'm like, okay, we've got to be sure because I'm going to be putting the time into this. Hmm. And it's called the Lego Robotics League? No, it's called First Lego League. Okay. Yeah, I'm checking it out here. My son, he's in robotics, but they use VEX um, is what they use. Well, First Lego League is actually promoted by Lucasfilm. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm, interesting. And, or at least they have in the past. And it was just really cool that her school offered this program. Yeah, that's super cool. I didn't, I didn't even know that, and I'm I'm the dad. I should probably know these things. <laughs> and, uh, and daughter? <laughs> well, if my daughter is involved in something with George Lucas' a stamp of approval, I uh, I must be doing something right. <laughs> so, all right, we got a lot of nerd news to cover, so let's get into it. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, check this out, folks. The Batman is right around the corner, and they've just released a brand new TV spot that looks to have recreated the Batman animated series rooftop scene. Oh, yeah. So a cool TV spot for the Batman has hit TV, teasing the upcoming film. And in it, they've basically recreated the Batman animated series rooftop scene that shows Batman standing on the roof with the bat symbol in the sky and the lightning, all that. Super cool to see it in live action. Uh, In the film, Bruce Wayne, played by Robert Pattinson, is deep in the shadows of Gotham City after two years stalking the streets as Batman, as an outcast In a corrupt city of officials and high-profile figures, he is the sole embodiment of vengeance among his fellow citizens. With the help of just a few trusted allies, Alfred Pennyworth and Lieutenant James Gordon. Let's take a listen to the uh, TV clip, and then we'll get back into this. The hell are you supposed to be? Vengeance. Vengeance. Vengeance! You're becoming quite a celebrity. Everything they say, ancient. 
Don't you ever just say hello. This is your legacy, Bruce Wayne. I'm here to unmask the truth. Oh, this guy's hilarious. So when I started watching that trailer, I actually did have to check the title of the video to make sure I was watching the right one because of that opening scene. Like, yes. I was kind of like, oh, I mean, I think the only reason I didn't think I was watching the animated series was because the music is very different. Yes. But it's still, I was just kind of like, wait, am I watching the right thing? Which, after I say all that, is a really good thing. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good sign. Because that is a yeah. very iconic Batman opening sequence that just looks fantastic. Oh yeah. It really does. The, uh, that, that, that new, that new trailer's pretty slick. I, I, while I was watching it, uh, before, before we started recording, I looked over, I saw that. And that kind of gives you chills when you see that, when you see that scene recreated. Oh yeah. And everything yeah, else about true. the trailer is just like pure adrenaline. Like I was just like, Oh, I want to see this. Can't yeah. Wait. Yeah. And we're doing that for our next podcast. episode. It's been getting some very, very good high reviews. Even Screen Rant says Batman's action is better than Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm getting like, like, it's so funny because earlier this week I was talking to someone about this and you know, we both expressed our like kind of nervousness of like another Batman movie with a different Batman actor. But the more I talked to them about it, the more we were both like, yeah, we're still we're excited. Like we, we want to yeah. see how this goes. We're excited for it. It wasn't until the reviews came out that I started. I've really started getting excited. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm going to say ever since they announced Pattinson as the Batman, I've been on board. I've, I, I was yes. I was one of the, I was one of the few people that was like. I am excited to see him as Batman. And yeah, I, no, I, I've, I've had to I like am. defend him to people. Cause they're like, Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Twilight guy. And I'm like, no, he is way better than that. Twilight was mad, was bad to him. Like that. Yeah. was. We don't talk what? about Twilight when it comes to Robert Patterson. Like he is a good actor. <laughs> so what's really sad is I actually enjoy watching him as an actor, but I was one of the first people jumping on going, Oh yeah. I'm going to ra- make fun of this speech just because it was funny. But <laughs> I did think that he would do a good job because I've seen him in other things after Twilight. Well, I just remember the big joke being uh, he's like the worst vampire in the world. It took him like 15 years to turn into a bat or something like that. Yeah, know, was <laughs> that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. The final trailer for Morbius has finally come out. That's right. Sony Pictures has released the final trailer for its upcoming Marvel movie, Morbius, and it puts a focus on a difficult choice that Morbius has to make. Does he hunt and consume blood to live, or does he choose to die? The film stars Jared Leto as Michael Morbius as a scientist who suffered from a rare blood disease and attempted to cure himself to disastrous results. Instead of being cured, he became afflicted with a condition 
that was a form of vampirism. All right, Morbius comes out April 1st. Let's take a listen to the trailer and talk about it afterwards. Michael Morbius. Discover who you're meant to be. The bad guy. as superhuman but there's a cost now i face a choice to hunt and consume blood or die you will have monsters within us it's up to us to control it what if i can't michael morbius you've been given a gift not exactly. Time to let go of what you used to be. Discover who you're meant to be. All our lives we've lived with death. Why shouldn't they know what it feels like for a change? Just accept who you are. The bad guy. Morbius. Holy water? Really? Yeah. You ever see Lost Boys? Story of my life. A new Marvel legend arrives exclusively in movie theaters April 1st. Tick tock. Can't wait till April 1st. <laughs> that thing's looking sick. And you know, it, it kind of piggybacking off what we, why did I say bacon? Piggy bacon. So um, <laughs> piggy bacon, maybe that was it. Kind of piggybacking off of what we talked about <laughs> with the Batman. Um once again, I, by its very nature, vampire movie, it's going to be dark, right? Um, but this one looks pretty dark. Um, and uh, I know nothing about Morbius's backstory. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what powers he has. That whole bus scene was kind of weird where it like maybe vaporized or went ethereal or something. I, I don't know what that was about. But um, Jared Leto... I mean, what can he not do, right? <laughs> I guess the Joker, depending on who you ask. But oh, oh. anything else? But um, I, yeah, I'm really, uh, yeah, I'm really pumped for this. I, I, I sound like a broken record. I really don't mean to, but this is, and and I got a, I have a question about uh, Michael Keaton in there. Mm-hmm. Is that Vulture? Well, that's what I found most interesting about this trailer is that it, it had a heavy dose of Michael Keaton in it. It really did. And I do think that is supposed to be Vulture. And maybe he's trying to guide uh, Morbius through this in in a, you know, as an ally, um, kind of in a mentor well, role. What what I find, so, yes, I, I get that exact same hint. He's like a, some, some, somehow he's a uh, mentor to, Mor- uh, to Morbius. But what I find interesting in all of this is, 
is this a Sony film taking place directly in the MCU? Because it has to, if Vulture is heavily involved as the mentor. Yeah. And that sounds like a good, like, uh, Norwegian metal band name, <laughs> Mentor of Evil. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait till April 1st to come out. Hopefully it's uh, not a fool's. If these um, trailers are going to be in the show notes, um, I highly anyone listening, I highly recommend watching this. You'll you'll be pumped for this movie if you go check this trailer out in the show notes. If it's not in the show notes, then it's a failure on Austin's part. And you need to just look. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> All right, folks. Guess what? Another new trailer for Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore has been released. Warner Brothers has dropped the second full trailer for its highly anticipated film, Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. This is the third of five planned films in the Harry Potter spinoff series. This new trailer puts a focus on Mad Mickelson's uh, Grindelwald rising up and building an army to go to war against the Muggles. Jude Law is in there, who's gathering a team to fight against Grindelwald and stop him. Apparently, Dumbledore holds the secrets that can save the world. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, coming to theaters April 15th. All right, let's check out the trailer and talk about it afterwards. Memory is everything. Without it, we are blind. Without it, we leave the fate of our world to chance. I'm sorry to disturb you, Albus, but I've just received troubling news. Tell me, what is it? It's Grindelwald. The time is closed, my brothers and sisters. Our war with the Muggles begins today! The world as we know it is coming undone. If we're to defeat him, you'll have to trust me. Mr. Kowalski, we need you. I said I want an out and I want out. Ah! You do know I'm a witch, right? Dumbledore asked that I give you something, Jacob. This is the team that's going to take down the most dangerous wizard in a century. Who wouldn't like our chances? No one can know everything, not even you. What you're doing is madness. With or without you, I'll burn down their world. Dangerous times favor dangerous men. If by tea time, all of us are still alive, you should consider our efforts a success, Mr. Kowalski. My pleasure. You said we could reshape the world. Even if we make mistakes. We can try to make things right. We're going to need some help. There's nothing you can do to stop me. Things are not quite what they appear. 
I trust you're enjoying your wand, Mr. Kowalski. Can I keep this? <laughs> so I'm I, I I'm not sure where this is going. I've only seen the second Fantastic Beasts movie. <laughs> You need to watch the first one. Hold on, hold on. And for half the movie, I was chasing a toddler in a hallway. (laughs) So I, I, I I kind of felt like I maybe understood the second movie a little bit, and then I'm watching the trailer for (laughs) for the Secrets of Dumbledore. I'm watching this going. I have no clue what's going on. (laughs) Well, to be all honest, the second one. It had some problems. Yeah, just like, a few. Or for a diehard a Harry Potter fan, that you know, up until a few years ago, I was rereading. I was reading the series every year, like so. I, I'm like very confident. You know, I like I know everything about it. Like the second movie even had me confused. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, it, was, it was not well executed. It had good intentions, but it was I'm, not well executed at all. Well, I, I'm excited that it seems to be a lot more cohesive in the trailer. Just from seeing the trailer, it felt like it yeah. had more cohesion than the second movie did. And I'm yeah, kind of, um, and I am looking forward to doing a throwback of the first two films yeah. so I can catch up and watch the first one. Yeah, no, the the because I loved the first one. First one's so good. The second one, I wanted to like it. <laughs> I really wanted to like it, but I, to this day, I do not have the second one. And I'm like, that can stay on HBO Max. Because for me, if I really like a movie, I go out and buy it. I have like a physical copy of it. Mm-hmm. Like That's a mark of I like this enough to get it, which I still need to get Dune. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have the first one. So I'm really hoping this third one will be more like the first one. We're like, yeah, you have a bit more of the storyline in it, the overall plot line. Because the first one kind of introduces that. But I'm hoping that it goes back to, like, the the first one just was so, like, oh, we're going to see a bunch of cool creatures and try to, like, help them out. And I just really like that, so. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I have not seen either of them. <laughs> I And it's not because I'm not interested. It's just I can only keep track of so many universes at a time. So yeah. you have to make a conscious decision about which ones you're just going to cut the cut the cord on. <laughs> We'll discuss this more in the main event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guess what, folks? Indiana Jones 5, speaking of cutting the cord, Indiana <laughs> Jones 5 is done filming. That's right. Producer Frank Marshall has revealed in a tweet that Indiana Jones 5 has wrapped production. Logan director James Mangold is directing this film with obviously Harrison Ford returning as the adventurous archaeologist. A synopsis for the film has not been officially released yet. But when talking about the film, James Mangold has said, quote, like in all my work, I'm always trying to find an emotional center to operate from. I think the most important thing is in an age when franchises have become a commodity that's serving The same thing again, at least for me, in the dances I've had with any franchises, serving the same thing again the same way usually just produces a longing for the first time you ate it, meaning it makes an audience wish that they had the first one over again. 
So you have to push something to someplace new while also remembering the core reasons why everyone was gathered, end quote. Indiana Jones 5 is apparently opening on June 30th, 2023. I think as long as they don't bring in aliens, they'll be okay. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, that falls under... Because the fourth one, I was really enjoying it. Like, I liked it a lot until it was aliens. And as soon as that hit at the very end, I was like, what a disappointment. Like, yes. Like, that's yes, how me the too. fourth one, like, I thought it was great up until that moment. At the very I, end, and I was like, no, no. And no. you know what? I Just really I, I think you summed that up perfectly. That, that's exactly how I felt it because I did enjoy it until the aliens. And then I was like, what in the world you, did you, we just get ourselves into? You have to have a good ending to complete the good series. I mean, <laughs> technically, they movie. did push it to someplace new there, but it wasn't. But, but a it good wasn't place. with the core. Like he was talking about, you know, you have to remember the core reasons. And the thing about the first three movies is they involved actual, like, archaeological, historical mythical like mythical artifacts yeah. that's kind of what yeah. i was going for and this one yeah like the crystal schools do exist but they made it a supernatural thing and that's not what indiana jones is it, it's it not needed to be grounded in that way yeah, yeah it, it, it needed to be a myth but yeah. it needed to have some grounding in reality instead yeah. of like we're just gonna really take this way out there yeah you can't take it out of this world literally <laughs> yeah yeah so so as long as I don't go in that direction, but it's still someplace new and interesting, I think we'll be good. Yeah, like, like, I, you know, there's so many mythical things out there that's grounded in reality that I think, you know, they have a lot of potential. It's just don't don't do aliens. Atlantis, so much. Yeah. Of oh, Atlantis right? would be great. Ooh, what if what if it's the Library of Alexandria? <gasps> How cool would that be? That would be cool, too. That would be yeah. so cool. Or a lost book. From the Library of Alexandria. Yes. I mean, I would think that. Right? Exactly. Well, there is so much they could have done, and then they chose aliens. And it was Well, te- technically oh. those crystal skulls are a real archaeological find, but they, I, they decided to turn it into aliens as opposed to something that maybe could have been a little more realistic and cool archaeologically. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, yeah. oh well, oh well. Yeah, because the aliens to me in that context was a cop out. It was yeah. such a cop out. It was yeah. a cop out. Yeah. Uh, well, I look forward to watching that again as a rewind in another couple years. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I haven't seen it in so long. I, I'm actually, it's like one of those things, like it's so bad, you you forgot about it in some way. And so you're curious to watch it again. I've, no. done, I've done that before. Yeah, not me. <laughs> I watched it in the theater and I'm like, I'm never seeing this again. See, and, and I'm like, it like, except for the, like, I pretty much watch it up until that last part. And then I stop. Yeah. Cause I like uh, everything before then. Like it was yeah. so good. Everything leading up to it was so good. Uh, all right. Moving on. According to Ryan Reynolds, a bunch of Deadpool three news is right around the corner. Marvel fans. I've been wondering what's going on with Deadpool 3. We know that Ryan Reynolds has been working on the film with Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige has said that the script is in the works and Ryan is working very hard on it. Well, during a recent interview with Collider, Ryan has said, quote, we pretty much talk about everything, but I'll say this about that particular subject. Um, 
I'll have a bunch. Uh, I'll, have, I'll have a batch of updates on that sooner rather than later. I hope so. I'll be able to get into stuff about Deadpool a little bit more clearly and definitely down the road. It's something that is just a daily process. Writing is kind of like that. You've got a lot of time to do it and walk away. And I'm working on it. It's been great. The writers are incredibly talented and so so smart. They they so understand that world and know how to zig when everyone's expecting a zag. So it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm thrilled to pieces that we're talking Deadpool 3. <laughs> I was so worried, so worried when Disney bought Fox. <laughs> um, love Deadpool. I'm excited to see what they do with it. I, I like how they point, point out that the writers know how to zig when everyone expects the zag because... What do you think it means by that? Um, that means that they, crazy jokes. <laughs> um, crazy jokes. They they they, they make they, they work on being unexpected, kind of like the baby hand. When when he was growing. Oh, <laughs> yes, from the first movie, that was disturbing. <laughs> and they do what, it so well. <laughs> what's the uh, what are the uh, Vegas odds on? Catching a glimpse of uh, Jacqueline's Wolverine in in Deadpool three, <laughs> uh, probably maybe high. Well, all I know is expect to see his face somewhere, whether it's on him actually or printed somewhere, like if you did in Deadpool. Yeah, for Deadpool. I think that was it'll, hilarious. It'll probably be something akin to the Justice League appearance in Peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> that, that ending kind of <laughs> quite interesting yeah, yeah all right moving on apparently the cast of star trek was not informed a star trek 4 <laughs> was announced you know we just talked about this last podcast chris pine might have been you know uh, aware of this but uh you know paramount pictures recently announced that producer jj abrams is moving forward with a star trek 4 the announcement came during a Paramount press event, and apparently none of the main members of the cast knew it was coming, though. Abrams said at the time, quote, We are thrilled to say that we are hard at work on a new Star Trek film that will be shooting by the end of the year that will be featuring our original cast, a.k.a. meaning they're wanting to bring back all the characters from J.J. James' first Star Trek films. Well, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that, quote, most, if not all, of the representation for the franchise primary players, who include Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Zoe uh, Saldana, and Joe uh, John Chow, were not aware that an announcement for another film was coming, much less that their clients would be touted as part of the deal, and certainly not that their clients would be shooting a movie by year's end. Oh, they want to start shooting this film by fall, but apparently no one knew because they're looking at trying to get a December 22nd, 2023 release date. Woo, what is this? What do you make of this? Um, so clearly the cast needs to listen to our podcast, <laughs> podcast yeah. because they would then know that this was a rumor going around and they wouldn't be so surprised. So... They should be listening to our podcast so they can be up to date on all of these things. <laughs> I'm just going to point out, I'm really sure that your agents and they themselves are used to um, studios announcing things after they have contracts. Right. <laughs> I will say that. 
Yeah. Yeah, you might want to get some signatures first. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just think that's funny. I mean, it sounds like here, like, you know, like they were always planning on a Star Trek four. I, I guess it was like I, I like for me, I just assumed that would mean they would have the Chris Pine cast, you know? I just assumed that, but I guess that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. So that that whole thing's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, I- I, I hope I hope they do get a, a real Star Trek four with the original cast. I think it would be awesome. So everybody get your pens out, get negotiations completed and get us a Star Trek four. Finally, moving on. Patrick Stewart just might have confirmed Professor X is in Doctor Strange, Two by accident. That's right. Is Professor X in Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness? Well, in the trailer. We hear a voice similar to Stewart's tell Strange, we should tell him the truth. That's a bad Patrick Stewart impression. It Anyways, very bad. well, <laughs> Stewart has pretty much confirmed his involvement in the sequel because in a recent interview, he was asked a question about all the various fan theories saying Professor X is in the sequel when the trailer came out during the Super Bowl. And here's what he had to say. Quote, I had my phone turned off as it happened, so I didn't hear anything. It wasn't until the next morning when I woke up and looked at my phone and found that I had been bombarded with responses. My PR people had sent me reactions that they had detailed and passed on to me. I actually didn't recognize my own voice. It sounded different. Whether I had a cold or something at the time, I don't know. I was astonished. And all they saw was the back of my shoulder and I think my earlobe, nothing else, that there would have been so many connections made. But it pleased me to see the reactions, end quote. Well, that pretty much seals it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, was it a slip of the tongue or, you know? Well, you know, he's kind of untouchable now, right? Even if even if he broke some sort of NDA with that, then uh, then who's going to go after Patrick Stewart? Then everyone will hate you. Yeah, really. So, you know, it'd be like punching a grandma. You don't want to do that. Even if she deserves – well, okay, never mind. But my point is, yeah, I mean, that even – as if we weren't excited enough to see Doctor Strange <laughs> in the Multiverse of Madness, the possibilities just, I mean, it's just compounding. All of this stuff is snowballing. You know, we talked earlier about, about uh, Morbius and, and Vulture. Now we're talking about Multiverse of Madness having Professor X. You know, all of these things are just building on one another. Deadpool could likely introduce uh wolverine if if wolverine isn't introduced before then so yeah it's gonna be uh it's it's a really exciting time to see all of these things kind of congealing and 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 weaving into one another yeah well it's worked very well with my theory that the multiverse of madness was gonna bring the x-men in yeah I'm, i'm gonna just say one thing real quick this is partially a rant if we do get Hugh Jackman somehow, some way in Deadpool three or Multiverse of Madness or whatever, back as Wolverine, we need him in the classic Wolverine costume that they teased that they teased in the Wolverine at the end of the the tra- or at the end of the movie when he opens the suitcase and there it is. And we could, we did nothing with that. So let's get Hugh Jackman in a classic Wolverine costume. The nice so. yellow spandex. As long as they promise to never do the Hawkeye 
comic book costume. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yes, I'm okay with that too. All right, it's time to hit up that main event and talk The Hobbit. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that bell means it is time for our favorite, The Hobbit, on an unexpected journey, Far to the east, over ranges and rivers, lies a single, solitary peak. The dwarves are determined to reclaim their homeland. I like visitors as much as the next hobbit. But I do like to know them before they come. Visiting. Mr. Baggins? At your service. Hmm? <laughs> I'm surrounded by dwarves. What are they doing here? Oh, they're quite a merry gathering. So... This is the Hobbit. You asked me to find the 14th member of this company, and I have chosen Mr. Baggins. Me? No, 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 no. Hobbits can pass unseen by most if they choose, which gives us a distinct advantage. We will seize this chance to take back Erebor. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? I'm going on an adventure. Mithrandir, why the halfling? Why Bilbo Baggins? It's because I'm afraid. It gives me courage. So this is your purpose? To enter the mountain? What of it? There are some who would not deem it wise. A dark part has found a way back into the world. Why don't we have a game of riddles? And if it loses, what then? Loses precious thing, we eat it. If Baggins loses, we eat it whole. Fair enough. I will take each and every one of these dwarves over the mightiest army. Loyalty, honor, a willing heart. I can ask no more than that. Home is now behind you. The world is ahead. Well, that could have been worse. Special shout out to all you super nerds who have hit that podcast subscribe button. We really, really appreciate you. Please help us get the word out and tell a friend about the podcast. And I want to invite you to hit that podcast subscribe button if you haven't already. Come on, do it. You'll get plus 10 nerd XP. Nerd XP. All right, guys. The Hobbit. An unexpected journey in preparation for Amazon's The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. What'd you think of the movie? I know Amanda's got a grumpy face on. I'm trying yeah, I'm like, to let other people say nice things first. I know that that's how I am. So I am here. I am going to start off the nice things that Martin Freeman is amazing and played Bilbo Baggins amazingly. And 
I'm gonna... he wasn't in the movie okay. <laughs> I, I love this movie I thought it was fantastic I got I got I got no issue with it whatsoever and it's, I scratch my head as to figure out you know why people like like what is the issue so first of all the Lord of the Rings I feel like burned me out because I enjoyed the books and I I didn't really like the direction Peter Jackson took with the storyline at the same time, I don't necessarily really like the story of the, okay. I shouldn't say, I, I don't like the way Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings. His, the, the story is amazing. The world building is fantastic. You mean the Hobbit? I'm talking about Lord of the Rings first and oh, then okay. the Hobbit. I, oh, I just okay. don't think he's a fantastic writer. <laughs> Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, but the Lord of the Rings burned me out. And then the Hobbit comes along and Austin sits me down. He's like, we're going to watch the extended edition of the extended edition that Peter Jackson made. And it was a fantastic movie. It was absolutely fantastic. The, I enjoyed every moment of it. The kids enjoyed every moment of it. Amanda is broken. So I will have to say, like, <laughs> I, I am, I'm excited to rewatch the Hobbit trilogy because I watched the first one probably like two times after it came on DVD, but then the other two, I haven't watched them since the theater kind of thing, you know? Cause I do like when, when I say like my viewpoints on it, it's looking at the entire trilogy, but the first movie did a good job. I just feel like, and this is like, I'll bring this up again when we talk about the other two, but like the other two got like got away from Bilbo because the story is about Bilbo and right. I felt like the other two movies don't focus on Bilbo anymore. He becomes a side character when he's the main character, but this one, the first one, they, they like, he's very like, he's central, you know, like, and it's great. You know, and I did like, I do like this first one. Um, Riddles in the dark is, Oh, love that. The, scene. the, the first, the first of the three is undoubtedly the best. I really like the second one as well. The third one, uh, Brady. What do you think of this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I really enjoyed it. It's it's been a little bit since I watched it. I, I I was trying to make time to watch it again in preparation for this, but it's been a few months since I've watched it. Um, back in uh, back over the Christmas break, and uh, you know, I really enjoy. Uh, I I really enjoy the movie. I thought it was great. It, it, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I enjoy it more than the uh, Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I did. I thought it was I, – I, I thought it was a much more um, – I don't know. I Just something about the, the character of the movie um, made me enjoy watching it more than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. You know, I – I can relate to that comment because I, the book, the Hobbit, I enjoy quite a bit. I've, I've read that book all the way through fond memories of that book. Love that book. And I, the, the, the plot is a little simpler and I, I, I think the plot flows a little bit better. And I think that translates to the, to the movie. There are a lot of people that also agree that, the Hobbit is better than the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. As I have not read the Hobbit, I can't really say from experience on that. Well, I've got the book upstairs. There are two floating around the house. I found them both. 
<laughs> and you haven't read them yet? No, it's funny about this. So, so it's the bandwidth thing. How much? How, no, much, no, no, no. Space, how so, much time I have? So the other yeah. day, I could tell Amanda. You know, we 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 don't talk about the podcast until until the podcast happens. But I could tell Amanda was biting her tongue in that way that usually you know, through body language tells me that she has some issues going on. And so, so, (laughs) so what, and then Amanda started talking a little bit about Tolkien's writing, this, that, and the other stuff. And, and what I told Amanda, I think is true is that she, is that when she reads the books, she, it, it, it ruins the movies for her. The books ruin the movies for her. Just like, uh, the books ruined, uh, the wheel of time, uh, Amazon TV series. Just- Although, in fairness, uh, the Wheel of Time TV series ruined the Wheel of Time TV series. <laughs> but you know, I I don't. But I don't hear that at all from people who haven't read the books. I've actually Have heard the opposite. The books, Brady? What's that? Did you read the books? I read like the first thirty-seven, okay, but- thirty-eight. But but I have actually no. I read the first. I don't know five or six, but. I have. Uh, in fact, today even I saw someone, several people talking about, well, I never read the books, but I couldn't make it past episode two, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't think that I, I'm not trying to take us too far off target here, but I, I don't think the Wheel of Time reading or not reading the books had an impact on just what was overall <laughs> a crappy show. I was so terrible. Simply because it had been so long since I had read the books that I felt like I was remembering the good parts. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, but we're but, digressing. But like, moving the conversation back to The Hobbit, yeah. I, I only brought that up because because it, it, it gives Amanda... Uh, unrealistic expectations for movies and TV, and and I loved The Hobbit. I loved the book, and I loved the movie. So I my, had no issue. My problem with book adaptions is it seems like the writers feel like they know how the story should go better than the original author that was popular, and that they don't have to stay true to the source material because it's now theirs. I I attempted to read The Hobbit when I was younger. And when I say younger, I mean like junior high, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got bored with it. Just and I was, I, I mean, that was the height of my D and D playing, right? You know, I mean, I, oh, yeah. but even then, I got I got bored with it, and I think it was his writing style. That being said, I think that The Hobbit will be my next book to read. I'm going to go back and read it because now I've I've gone you know obviously i'm older and can understand it a little bit better and and i think that um that's going to be my next to go back and compare it because i i thoroughly enjoy the movies i don't know how far they deviate from the source material um but yeah i think i'm gonna do that and see and kind of see i hope it doesn't ruin the movie for me because i enjoy it i really enjoy the movies so there are people that have enjoyed the book and also enjoy the movies for what they are my problem is just I find it, it's just all rather dry to me, and it's right. just, well, I, I I love the world building. I I love the cinematography. I I, I think it's a great so it's so much great building that was done both by Peter Jackson and by Tolkien, but they both just didn't make something that really appealed to me. 
Well, and you have to put it in, you, you have to give it a, a an era appropriate frame of reference because it was written in 1932, right? Yeah. And that so. makes it so amazing. And I, and I really do think that Peter Jackson did a great job with filming and how he made people who were really tall look crazy short. Like, amazing job. Really great. But you don't like it. It's not my thing. <laughs> yeah, for me, and like, it was one of those things, like, because, yeah, The Hobbit, the book, it is a very simple storyline when you compare it to Lord of the Rings. It, it was like, it was one of those things where Tolkien, he wrote The Hobbit as a fun children's story, and it did so well that the publisher was like, hey, do more in this world. So he came up with Lord of the Rings. And the necromancer that's mentioned in the book, it's just mentioned in the book, but it's why Gandalf leaves is to go deal with this necromancer. Turns, spoiler alert, <laughs> turns out to be Sauron. And then the inv- the ring that he finds in Gollum's cave, Bilbo, being Bilbo, that becomes this ring of power, you know? So, so the Hobbit is a very, like, simple, straightforward storyline. I, I just, like, from the get-go when I heard that the Hobbit was going to be made into a trilogy. I was kind of like, what? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that. Because <laughs> it's, it's, so it's, Brady, you were saying like, I don't know how far the movies deviate from the books. Um, the second and third one is where you'll find out when you read the book. It, and then watch it, well, <laughs> it's the extent, uh, it, he made an extended edition from Tolkien's The Hobbit. Well, they. And then made a further extended edition. It's very obvious that they, they did that for money. And that that's that's the only sour part that even I have out of all this because this probably could have been two movies and I would have been fine with that. Um, and it really should have been. I wish it had been two movies. But you know, it's it's kind of a weird position because we've got you got the Battle of the Five Armies and you've got you know everything with Smog the Dragon and and. And everything leads up to smog, but it's not the very end. And so it'd be like in in a movie, it's like you reach that climax in the middle of the movie, and then the rest of it is kind of like it would like linger on almost. It, it would feel like the end of Return of the King, where the last like twenty five minutes of the movie is like showing what everybody's doing. It would feel like it would feel like that for half of a movie, basically in my opinion. Hmm. And so I think that might be why they said, well, maybe we make this three movies, you know, well, but if they just take Legolas out, I mean, that's the entire second movie. No, it's not. It felt like no, it. Legolas, they, is, bare, they, Legolas they, is not in that long. No, the second movie, they were in you haven't seen way it. too long. Sorry. See, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Le- no, Legolas, that Legolas is only... His only scenes are like in the uh, in the forest, and then with the uh, the wheelbarrow, no, the the, the no, beer I'm barrel not in the river. It at all. So what? Yeah, Who cares? As soon as they introduce, like, so that's something when we talk about the desolate, <laughs> the the next one, the desolation of smog. Um, I will talk about that. All I right, will save that. <laughs> we're focusing on an unexpected journey. The, the dwarves <laughs> in this were fantastic. Yes, I loved them, and. Uh, I, I was surprised at how much I felt a connection to the dwarves and them longing to have a home again under the lonely mountain. And I'll just say it. 
the song they sing. Oh, great song. That's the like one of the best songs I can think of in all of nerddom movies. I mean, I can't, it, it really stands out. And, and what I find so to be so unfortunate is because these Hobbit, the Hobbit trilogy did kind of have a little bit of a rough go with, you know, pop culture fandom that the things that were just absolutely fantastic, like the, uh, the song have kind of faded in the background of nerddom a little bit. And, and it's unfortunate yeah, well, and you know, Jekka alluded to this earlier um, about Martin Freeman playing Bilbo Baggins. I 100% concur with her. I think that that is, I think he was the perfect choice for that role. And I think he carried a lot. I think he carried a lot of that film. I, I Contrary to you, Austin, I wasn't as, um, wh- who's the main dwarf, the guy, uh, the uh, Thorin Oakenshield. Yeah, Thorin. Yeah. So I wasn't a big fan. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm having a hard time with that one because I don't know if I wasn't a big fan of the character or wasn't a big fan of the actor. I can't decide. Hmm. Um, but that was probably one of my f- least favorite portrayals in the movie, which is unfortunate because really? it's a main character. But I thought all of the other casting was was amazing and perhaps his was having not read the books i don't know if that's true to character and i maybe was supposed to kind of be a little bit repelled by him i I gotta admit i really connected with him i liked everything about his character and the actor and bilbo uh i like the relationship and how it how it it grows uh throughout this film and the next films so i will admit i zoned out through quite a bit of the movie um, but I will say, Jacka, the parts with Martin Freeman, it, it drew me in. Mm-hmm. It, it drew me in. And I still got the buildup of that relationship through dro- zoning out through most of the dwarf stuff. You know, okay, so they had the original actor for Bilbo. I can't remember his name. Unfortunately, I know he's passed uh, away. Ian. Yeah, Ian Holm. He, Ian Holm, that's right. That's it, yeah. Ian plays Bilbo different than... Uh, Martin plays right. Bilbo, and I do like both of their portrayals, but they are like very distinct, and that is something that made that that is something that kind of stood out to me. It didn't rub me raw, but it was just like it was it was very very noticeable for me. So I almost. I almost have to like mentally do an exercise to connect those two characters and say, the, this is the same one. But when I think of like Sir Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't have to do that same mental exercise to say, this is the same character. And so I guess my, my, my real comment is, um, the, uh, I'm having a brief heart. Uh, what's, what's, what's Martin's full name? Freeman. Martin, Martin Freeman. Freeman. Thank you. did 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 it have to be so distinctly different i will explain why it had to be distinctly different it had to be distinctly different is because over the course of years of the influence of the ring because we have decades of the ring's influence even though he's not actively wearing it 
he has been influenced by the ring over the years. And you really see that in the Lord of the Rings with how vicious he gets at times. And I really like that difference in the portrayals because to me, it shows the influence of the ring on him, even just its mere presence being there. And the other thing you got to keep in mind is up until Gandalf pretty much yeets Bilbo out of his house to pretend to be a burglar. My lizard. Anyways, Bilbo like was a home buddy. Like he never went anywhere. He was just happy to sit in his hobbit hole, eating his hobbit meals and not doing anything and refusing to see, like pretty much not hanging out with anyone. Um, To put it like in today's terms, like he was the ultimate introvert. And then after the whole adventure of the Hobbit, Bilbo would go on adventures. Like when you go into Lord of the Rings, he talks or it's either Lord of the Rings or at the end of the Hobbit. But Bilbo, like he visits Rivendell a lot. Like he keeps going back there and he goes on lots and lots of adventures over the court from the Hobbit to his 111th birthday but yeah the ring of power is definitely an, a bit an influence there as well you know you you brought up uh, uh gandalf and it, it made me think of uh sylvester mccoy's radagast the brown yeah. and i gotta admit what a wonderful addition that but was it, i like that yeah it, mm-hmm. it, everything every time he was on the screen i absolutely loved everything about his character uh, everything from his looks to the way he, you know, he just was like this like manic energy that was just fun to watch. Um, and the fact that he's got, uh, 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 you know, dried bird poop running down his, his hair and beard. It's just like, oh my word. But, but it added so much to his character that, that I loved it. That actor has one of the best actor names ever. Sylvester McCoy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played uh, one of the doctors from Doctor Who. So. Hmm. Oh, cool. I didn't know I that. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. he was... Uh, do you know what doctor he was off the top of your head? I think he was like the seventh doctor. Man is looking it up. I'm pretty sure it's the yes. seventh doctor, but... Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good, good stuff. And then I, you know, we got Christopher Lee back as Saruman, and and I liked having him in this because, uh, you know, I I'm showing my kids, you know, these movies in the order of The Hobbit and then through The Lord of the Rings, and so I I want, I'm gonna whisper because I know they're listening upstairs. <laughs> I I want them to see Saruman the White. Uh, as a good guy before he turns into a bad guy, because hopefully it'll add some, uh, you know, depth to that. So anyways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so what doctor was he, Amanda? Well, I can get that he was Doctor Who in the 80s. Who knows? Just put the order of the doctors into Google. Seven. <laughs> sure he was number seven. Yeah, I was right. Oh, nice. Well, Impressive. Nerd XP for me, baby. Woohoo. Nerd XP. Woohoo. <laughs> so... Yeah, you know, so so we watched this movie with my son, and you know, this isn't the first time I've watched it, but he, I haven't been able to get him to sit down to watch this movie, and, and he's he's never really liked it. Well, now that we're playing D and D, 
I told him, I was like, dude, you gotta like this movie. It's basically D and D the movie. And so what did what did he do while watching this? He's basically trying to recite the rules every time somebody does something. So he's like, it's like, oh, that guy failed his armor class roll, or you know, it's just like, like he didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you uh, didn't roll high enough on his stealth check or something. I don't know. Did just did he thing. enjoy the the Thorin totally failing his attack roll? <laughs> oh, which which <laughs> one was that? At Tell the me. very very end when he's like coming down the tree it's all epic music and he throws himself at the white orc and then he just gets knocked down like he got a natural one there that yeah, scene probably. i'm sorry that scene <laughs> makes me laugh every time just the dramatic epicness of it and it's like yeah he's gonna kick butt and nope he is down with the first blow i was just like well, wow <laughs> it's kind of accurate I mean, the white orc was quite a big buff dude, and here he is, you know. Yeah, but we're talking Thorin, who's like been in battles and all that. I was like expecting more of a fight. So yeah, maybe. anyways, like every even from the first time I saw it, that scene just makes me laugh every time. Sorry, Thorin. Oh, hey. Sorry, Richard Armitage. <laughs> we cannot wrap up tonight's conversation without talking about Andy Circus's Gollum. Yes. Gollum in this movie was way scarier than anything we saw in the Lord of the Rings. My kids are always lit- like they're on the verge of hiding behind the couch <laughs> or under covers or or they're trying to like sit on top of me. Um I mean he is just creepy and spooky on a whole nother level. And it was one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah, no that so in the book, even in the book that scene, and that's the scene I call Riddles in the Dark, because that's the name of the chapter, is when Bilbo and Gollum have their riddle. Yes. The riddle contest. That is my favorite part in the book, and it's my favorite part in all three of the movies, because, yeah, it is just the epitome of creepiness, but also good. And especially in the movie, I just love how, like, I feel like, and this is where I'll give credit to the movie, you know, and they're just, like, movies being able to, like, bring in more to your senses than just your just reading does because like that whole scene is just so intense and you can feel that life like Bilbo Baggins knowing that his life hangs in the balance of him being able to answer these questions and win and and especially the way when he asked the one question the what is in my pocket Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so great just how he's kind of like what's in my pocket you know like he just says yes. it out loud without thinking and then Gollum's like that's not fair and he's like uh you said a question yes it is fair okay you gotta answer <laughs> yes yeah that that scene has so much intensity to it and and and, that, and it's such a unique way of dealing with a threat and a villain yeah you know you're not gonna see anything else like that in a movie and and it and and because it's unique it makes it that much more fun and creepy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. All right. Any any last thoughts on The Hobbit, The Unexpected Journey? Anything else we haven't covered? Amanda, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite part, Amanda? Amanda? She's going to say the oh. end. Amanda, what was your favorite part? <laughs> she's, just, she's just shaking her head no. Her fa- her favorite part, I'll answer for her, was the scene with the three trolls and trying to cook the uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the the dwarves. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think my favorite part is just when they're wrecking his house. 
Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. It's so fun. It I mean, is. that is a fun scene to watch. Yeah. And it really had to be choreographed well. Oh I yeah. I mean, with all of that movement in that small space and everything going on, it really had to be uh I mean, it, it's literally almost like dance choreography, how they had to do that, or fight choreography. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, folks. Thanks so much for joining us on another adventure of Super Nerd Podcast. Make sure to hit that podcast subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, YouTube, or wherever else. You find us next week. We are talking The Batman. That's right. Robert Pattinson's The Batman is coming out. So we got to nerd out on that. So make sure to leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on The Batman at anchor.fm slash supernerdpodcast. And you just might be on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts on The Batman to supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Catch you later. Au revoir.